welcome back to our channel. We've been gone for a minute, and now we back with the jump off. Goons in the clip, in case something jumps off. Wise words of Lil' Kim. <laughs> and that is how we're starting season two, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Christian. And I'm that bitch. Borderline uncomfortable. <laughs> and uh, thank you for those of you who were with us with season one and are coming back to see what else we're going to get into. Thank you for coming back. We appreciate your time and consideration. For anyone out there who's new, thank you for coming. We appreciate your time and consideration. I want to know if anyone saw our posters on <laughs> in like around Union Square or where do we go? Like St. Mark's? Uh, St. Mark's. So if you did, let us know somehow, some way. You can visit our website that we started in between seasons, borderlineuncomfortable.com. Uh, you could also find our podcast there in video and audio form, and you can send us a message. So check it out. And if you're listening to us on a podcast platform and would like to see what we look like, I don't know why, but no, just kidding. Um, you can find us on YouTube or Instagram at Borderline Uncomfortable. Diamond, how are you? Or how do you feel about the end of 2020? 2020 was an epic fucking dumpster fire fail. But in your personal life. <laughs> That's what it was. Okay. <laughs> That's what it was. A lot of, uh, it was a dumpster fire, nonsensical. I mean, I, I, it was, it was trash. The whole year for me was trash, but I will some say a positive is that I started therapy, which was really beneficial and it works. So for those of you who say don't do therapy, not don't do therapy or afraid of therapy or whatever, um, just give it a shot because it really does help. And you will more than if you get the the proper therapist and you take it seriously, really take the work seriously. It can it can be beneficial. Um, so 2020, it was a clusterfuck, but um, with therapy and um You can do it all with therapy. How was your 2020? Or whatever the question was. Uh, my 2020 was just the, uh, end the end of my 2020. The end of my 2020 was um, hopeful for me. Uh, I started working on, I have sort of this creative partner right now that um, we've been working on some projects we have one that already came out um these waters bleed deep which is you can find on my instagram uh, or on youtube if you type in these waters bleed deep and we're working on a documentary right now so i'm feeling creatively charged the end of 2020 going into 2021 i've been feeling creatively charged we have this podcast um and uh i've actually been working on another project another podcast that i hope to release soon i already recorded a couple episodes that one's going to be about film so i don't know it's just i, I creatively it just productively i feel i've been feeling good um so 
you know, I was going around saying 2020 is going to be my year because 20 is my favorite number. 20 is the day that I was born. And um, while I didn't become a renowned filmmaker who is dropping money as I walk, um, it kind of was in the sense that things started happening. Balls started rolling, gears started turning, um, and I'm excited to see what this year brings. Um, yeah. What are some goals for 2021 for you? I want to be in 2021, by the end of 2021, in a place financially where I'm just like, I feel really good about myself, really positive about the work I've done or not even that made like investments, you know, just financially trying to trying to grow more, um, learning how to be stable. Yeah. What about you, Diamond? What are your goals for 2021? Mm. This is a really good question. Of course, not of course, but I, I will be continuing my therapy. Um, again, go to therapy cause it is beneficial. Um, uh also i graduate college this year so that will be that's a goal um just to be done with my undergrad finally and maybe apply for uh grad school this year or i don't know if i want to take a break or whatever but um figuring that out and i i have a lot that will be happening this year that i'm not willing to share but i have this idea of diamond 2.0 who you know about <laughs> it's kind of like how beyonce has sasha fierce my that my sasha is dt d2.0 that's what i'm gonna call her dt d no i'm gonna hard dive in 2.0 because i can't say that um d2 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 no um yeah i uh some of my more personal goals are my goals for 2021 um but what I will share is my therapy and um, I'll say my my personal evolution is all the steps that I'm taking to get to Diamond 2.0, that those are my goals. Um, and something I say often, but I just want to be surrounded by beautiful things. So um, those are my goals to surround myself with by beautiful surround myself with beautiful things and to reach um to get to diamond 2.0 so what are some of the beautiful things that you would like to surround yourself with <laughs> big black <laughs> oh <laughs> kidding um not really not really um so some of the beautiful things that i want to be surrounded by first my own the the i want to be surrounded by my self-love and that, that may sound cliche but i want that's that would be like my outer shell almost just just my self-love that surrounds me that fills me um and then plants <laughs> i want a lot of plants i love like if you see my room it's not full of plants but like because i don't have a lot of space but it's it's as full as it can be right now of plants. Um, I want to be somewhere that allows me to see a fresh, not 
fresh up, uh, cleaner body of water. I want to be surrounded by people. And I, again, I feel like I said this earlier today and I don't want to sound pretentious. I did say this earlier today, but <laughs> I want to be surrounded by beautiful people who are not, who are on the same wavelength as me. Um, I, I, I wanted to, I was first going to say on my level, but that's not fair, but who are just on the same wavelength as me, who are, who are moving towards optimism and self-progression and self-love as, you know, again, as cliche as it may sound. Um, and I want a dog. I think dogs are beautiful. That's how I'm going to surround myself with. And, and, so, and again, going back to me, just like self-comfort, you know, um, that's the beauty. Just, and art, art is always wonderful to me. Uh, I want, when I, when I wake up in the morning, I just want to be surrounded by art, plants, things that are visually, um, appeasing. And then when I start my day, I want to be surrounded, maybe not surrounded by it, but I want to have the ability to engage with folks who, again, are on that same wavelength as me and, um. That's it. I just want to be surrounded by beautiful people, beautiful things, good food, <laughs> like just goodness, you know, that's it. I want to be surrounded by beautiful trees, beautiful mountains, beautiful rivers, beautiful books, mm. um, beautiful movie theaters. I miss the movie theaters. We'll get there. 2022. You know, 2022, 2021, will, I don't, I think it'll be a fine year. I mean, outside of uh, coronavirus, um, I think the year will be fine. I mean, there's a couple vaccines coming into play. People are... Um, well, I don't know what people are doing, but there are vaccines coming into play, which hopefully people will take. And um, apparently my CUNY, the CUNY system is planning on reopening um, the fall of 20, 2021. So, you know, um, good things hopefully will be happen happening 2021. But I think 2022, at least for me, that will be my year of like, I think 2022 will be when I become a full adult. <laughs> like, I think by 2022, I will actually be a full adult. Meaning um, that financial independence that you were mentioning before, I think that's something that I'll have. Um, and that's the key element for me. I All of the mental and physical work I'm doing this year. Of course, that's this year and all beyond, but... It's, it's really starting this year. Um, and then in 2022, by the end of 2020, that's even a mouthful for me. 2022, I think I will be at a financial, in a place financially where I'm like, okay, I'm a true adult. Here we go. <laughs> I could hear like people older than us um maybe my grandparents generation especially just listening to this and, and um saying how are you not there yet 
when I was your age, I already <laughs> had a place. And I had three kids, mm-hmm. and um, I came from DR. I don't. I didn't speak a lick of English. <laughs> it's kind of interesting um, how, because my grandmother will say the same thing, same as your parents uh, or your grandparents. Like I came to this country. I knew nobody, I had nothing, and then I bought a house in Brooklyn and da, 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 all these things, but it's like, I don't know, sis, it's hard. Like, I don't know, <laughs> what did you do? Tell me what you did. Like, did you sell your soul? I don't know. Are we spoiled, but, maybe, to you? Oh, of I course, like... we're spoiled and entitled. Hell yeah. I'm a almost 30-year-old man living with my grandparents, but they love it. <laughs> um, it's hard to live alone in New York. Don't, don't do that to yourself. It's hard. I feel... Like if I had to right now, I could move out, but it would just be really silly to dip into my investments um, when I have this set up here, for now at least. When I start making money again regularly, um, maybe I'll think about it. But of course that would have to be post-pandemic because I would not want to leave my grandparents alone. But I would want to leave the city. I'd want to go back to the mountains, get a car so I can travel back to the city because that's where the movie making is happening. But I don't want to be here anymore, except for the movies and the bookstores. That's funny that you say that because as I'm, um, as I'm considering, um, places to live (laughs) uh what's uh, basically the thing that would hold me here is work if that comes to fruition right and the fact that not a lot of places outside of let's say new york and maybe la have the types of black communities that i'm seeking and you can find, of course, black people everywhere. But for you, what you said, the movies and work would hold you back. But for me, it's that community and not not the community in particular. It's like, um, it's I can buy black here. And I know you can do that online. But in, in, in Brooklyn alone, I can go to a black owned, not grocery market, but mar- like almost grocery market. I can go shopping for clothing. I can go to a bookstore. I can go to, and not just one, like I have options. I can go to a liquor store. And the one that I go to, uh, Happy Cork, sells, I would say, I think they're at 100% black owned alcoholic beverages from wine to liquor to um, hard ciders, everything. And that is not easy to do anywhere else. (laughs) Like... It's it's pretty incredible. So that's something that that, that sense of community and like, um, yeah, I'm just going to call it community because I can't think of another word for it. But that sense of community is what would make me want to stay here. Um, but outside of that, fuck New York. It is expensive. Yeah, you get paid, excuse me, more. But is it worth my sanity? No. And honestly, I'm tired of taking the train. <laughs> I know it's convenient and it's cheaper, but... No, I want my own car. I don't want to be around people like that. And I'm, again, going back to the money. I don't want to pay $1,600 for, I don't know, a room, a bathroom, and a kitchen all in one space. (laughs) No, that's bananas. 
it's highway robbery <laughs> New York style the rent here um so that makes it not worth it but I do like the but you know okay I like the accessibility I like that really New York kind of like it sleeps but there's you could always find someone up you know I like that but how often am I going out three o'clock in the morning to get like an eight course meal never you know like I mean when uh, pre-covid yeah I would stay out late and go to concerts but oh actually I'm gonna miss the concerts because I'm gonna see a lot of them like I actually had a full life I had a very full life between like just the the arts that I would like the different types of museums or like shows fairs that I would go to I don't know, Diamond. It doesn't sound like you want to leave New York. No, I'm just thinking. I'm thinking, well, three minutes ago, I was thinking of like during COVID. And I'm like, this sucks here because it does. But pre-COVID, I was very active. I was active in my community. And like I just mentioned, I there there was a lot to do when I did it. Um, But I'm sure actually damn can i move (laughs) will i be bored (laughs) what will i do who i don't know huh i gotta think about this more because i'm definitely in the mindset of like current i'm in the current mindset i'm not thinking really forward for when things reopen and life goes back to normal Mm -hmm. and it's kind of be kind of lit in new york think about it like after covid It's going to be wild here in New York City. Just imagine your block, the parties. <laughs> like, just imagine your block. First of all, our neighbors were having parties during COVID and big oh, parties. Ghetto. So it was yeah. to the point where I had to record it because um, uh, I don't know what I was going to do with it. I guess I was just <laughs> going to send it to you. But like, can you believe the nerve? <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, so that was it was crazy. Um, yeah, no, for me, COVID uh a, the, the thing only thing it changed really was the movie stuff i mean other than not being able to go out there because i was working on productions um right before covid but uh just in terms of like general activity you know just my life in general outside of work the only really thing that it stopped for me was the movie theaters which is something i miss deeply profoundly and um for a long time i wasn't watching movies which is crazy because i have a tv i have blu-rays i have subscription services um or at least my parents subscription services um that i wasn't watching movies and when i was going but before covid i was going to the theaters three times a week and uh, I just really miss watching stories unfold on a big screen and that's part of the thing that got me in love with filmmaking was the movie theater experience and even though I personally now don't want to make movies that are the kind of movies you have to see on a big screen um, but I still miss even even a drama where it's just people talking you know I still prefer to see it on a big screen so I cannot wait. I cannot wait for the theaters to come back. So you're you talking about wanting to be in a community of blackness, black owned uh, 
businesses, you know, just just being around the black community is a good segue into this episode where we're going to be talking a little bit about politics, racism, um, and uh, it's an episode. And we have a guest today. We have a guest today, and so we're excited to jump into it. But I am also very nervous about it. So, why are you nervous? I <sighs> politics. You know, I was thinking, um, you had mentioned something. I wish I wrote it down because I wanted to bring this up to you specifically, but you mentioned, you're basically saying that politics, that it's overwhelming for you, not overwhelming, but like, it's hard for you to talk about it because you're not fully versed on certain topics and there's so many layers, blah, blah. And again, this politics, it just made me think that politics for a lot of people is like how you treat religion right so it's kind of yeah it may be intimidating but it's prevalent and um i don't know the type the point i'm trying to make up i basically want to say like don't be so afraid of it um and just because it's something that you're not super passionate about doesn't mean like you don't have to be but I, I think that's the thing it's like i feel more um of a pressure to talk about politics than to talk about religion i feel like most of the time it's me bringing up religion you know i'm that guy right but and then but for the most part i'm surrounded by people who talk in politics because that seems and religion does in you know intertwine with politics as as the issue around racism and stuff like that you know everything kind of but um i don't i don't see people really taking the time to converse in a way that feels um open i think that's what it is i don't see people yeah trying to to make the effort to converse openly and that makes me nervous because i don't like confrontation and you know that so i just tend to not do it I understand. I got you. But you know, I do it. I I notice that when I do talk about religion with some people, that I'm that person that's like you are. It's a little aggressive. <laughs> a little. <laughs> <laughs> um. So it's definitely a work in progress, and I know. And but like just and just knowing that me feeling this way, right? Knowing that these are the kind of things I'd like to see more open and uh, and and inviting communication forms of communication. Me who wants that, and I'm still struggling to do that sometimes myself for other people. It's like, fuck. So, um, but I mean, at least, yeah, I I get it, and but at least you are aware. And when you go into conversations with folks who may not be, may not have as strong a view or uh, points, you know, not to, you know, to kind of just take it easy and allow them to. Um, share get their point across while you still get your point across but not being the aggressor in the conversation just having a conversation which i think mm -hmm. is enough mm -hmm. so that's my take but um so we're gonna get into it <clears throat> yeah enjoy the episode enjoy uh the conversation with Man manali she is uh she's a good egg so enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> Manali, oh, I wish I could hug you. Oh, I miss your face. How are you? 
I'm good. How are you? Good. Looking like a butterfly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm over here bundled up because it's cold outside. (laughs) It sure is. We figured that um, you would be our best bet just because you have your own DEI uh, company and you have a podcast, I believe, which of course you'll plug, um, plug everything, girl, plug everything. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess we can start off with you just telling us a little bit about yourself and like what you do, a little bit of your background, you know, whatever you're comfortable with. Yeah. Um, so Manali Hanumthagar, um, so I am the founder of Vision DNI. Um, so it's a task management platform for companies to kind of uh, track and manage their DEI efforts and their teams. Um, so obviously, this came out of a huge need, um, as we both saw Diamond in the past, um, <laughs> where um, you know these companies have all these big goals of. Um, oh, let's implement all these cool things, you know, diversity, inclusion. And then they kind of just like create one group and they're like, all right, well, good luck with that. (laughs) You know what I mean? So there's no like actual platform or way that helps that whole situation. So that's kind of where it was born from. And I'm in New York. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I guess uh, Manali and I, we've worked together together. before so that's how we know each other and yeah just exactly that there was a there was I would say correct me if I'm wrong but I would say there was a significant initial push for um di- uh, just for I would say education and I'm we're, I'm talking about corporate in the corporate sector yeah. um for education and like affinity groups to kind of merge not merge but like get people I don't even know what you would call it like what the attempt was yeah not to bash right but like there was just a big push for something but there was no real guidance for that um (laughs) and there's something I want to say but I won't because (laughs) I don't know who watches this I know that's (laughs) what Yeah, girl, we got we we could edit, but um, <laughs> how do you run these programs? Do you see? Do you are you how do how do you look for that inclusion? So what it is, so you know, we're in our kind of beta stage. So I'm actively talking to companies, talking to DEI agencies, like trying to see you know where the need is. And I think right now the need is that these companies, right, like they have all these big goals. They're like, wow, you know, it's it's like a hot topic right now, DEI. And what's happening is all these companies are jumping on the bandwagon when they haven't been doing anything um, past, you know, before 2020, most of them. Um, and so they like put together all these programs and then where the need is, where like um, what needs to come together, where like the DEI part comes in, the work is that you have to create processes, you have to create budgets, you have to create education, right? Like that, all that has to be done. And that's not like a one day, one thing where it's like, oh, we just did a, you know, implicit bias training, guess we're good to go for the whole year. Like, it doesn't work like that. So I think that that's where that is. It's like, you have to drill into these companies, you know, you can't just put these things together. So you have a label and be like, well, we're, you know, we're, pro this pro that it's like no you're pro looking good 
you're pro good PR. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that's, you know, where that stems from. I just want to quickly say for those who don't know, DEI is, uh, it stands for diversity, equity, and inclusion. So, um, that's what we mean when we're referencing that, that term. So I worked at a company previously that was so awesome. Let me tell you something. This company was like, oh gosh, I could gush, gush, but I messed it up, which is a whole other story. But, um, <laughs> but um, I think the value of having a team, a team that's diverse, you have different angles. Like people bring different ideas to the table, diverse ideas to the table. And at this previous job, I'll say, um, <laughs> so we had a group called, literally called the United Nations. We had Black Americans, we had Caribbean Americans, we had Africans from different countries and different tribes. We had Asians, we had, we had Asians. We had white people, there was one white girl. But like, it just brought a more diverse and fun environment to the workplace period because who wouldn't want to hang out with a whole bunch of people of color because we lit right yeah <laughs> and then you bring different you add different values to different teams and it wasn't just like i worked on hr and the, the whole hr team we were all of color except for the one white girl and then finance was all of color and they added their own value to the company in general and then well, I think it was just that. That was it. I'm not going to lie. Actually, it was just HR and finance. But we were still the United Nations and the most important I mean, yeah. <laughs> groups, <laughs> the money and who's coming in. So it adds value to have folks of different backgrounds um, in these corporate, in the, in the corporate sector. And and one of you hit on something. It's like, oh, I think it was you, Manali. I don't know which one of you, but um, I was actually met with this at our company where it's like, where do you, where do you meet such a diverse bunch of people? There are programs, there are seminars, there are networking opportunities, there are uh, recruitment opportunities to meet these people. For example, as well, um, I think it was, um, was it JP Morgan Chase? I think they said that um, the CEO, they were kind of in the hot seat for not having a diverse team. I think a diverse ex uh, executive team, if I'm I'm, I'm not sure if it's that company or whatever. And whoever, the CEO, I'm just going to say, he was like, oh, I don't know where to find qualified black candidates. What? Have you heard of Howard University? <laughs> like, have you heard of any of the HBCUs within this nation? Have you heard of, um, what was that event we were supposed to go to? Uh, I forgot what it was uh, in We're LA. supposed to go to Afrotech. Afrotech. Have you heard of Afrotech? Like... There are programs, there are ways to diversify your team, but it's, you are choosing not to because it works best for you. But in the long run, does it really? Yeah, I, um, I agree with that. Um, mm -hmm. I think that people who say that they don't know where to find qualified, diverse candidates, um, I think that there's two things. They're not looking hard enough um, or they know about it and they don't want to try hard enough. So mm -hmm. that's that's my opinion. It's like, you can't ever say I'm, there are no diverse candidates. There's a, there's no such thing. That concept doesn't exist. Um, it's one of those things. And it all stems from a lack of effort or a lack of caring. So our 
the platform is a task management platform. So once a company has an HR team, they have two or three DEI members, they have employee resource groups, right? Like they have all these groups. And now it's, you're faced with the hurdle of how do we scale? How do we do things? How do we make actions, you know? And that's like where, where it gets stuck. You know, you go from A, B, C, but how can you get to C when you can't even do B? And so that's what we do. So we literally, we align everyone on objectives. You can plan events, you can um, set objectives, you can see what everyone's doing, you can see your budget, like you can grow together. And I think what happens is that there's a lack of accountability and there's a lack of transparency mm -hmm. because if you're in leadership, right? So if you're a CEO, if you're a CMO, you might not think that diversity applies to you. Like you might think of diversity as a separate silo. So when you hear that, oh, our company isn't being more diverse, if you're a CMO, you might be thinking, well, how is that my, like, what, what does that mean for me? But so what this is meant to do is it's supposed to increase transparency. Um, it's supposed to help accountability. So if you're in an ERG, so if you're, you know, in like an LGBTQIA group in your company and you want to know what, you know, what's our yearly DEI budget. Um, what is this other ERG doing? You know, like where's the transparency? What are we doing? How are we growing? And that's what the platform um, kind of sets the tone for and helps with. And I think this, I don't think, I know, <laughs> this applies to not like this, this, um, basically this methodology applies to I almost want to say real world, but this is the real world, but it applies to like, like daily life. Right. And, um, I think, I don't even know what I think. I have so many thoughts. I don't know where to start. I think that when we go from like, so we were just talking about corporate in particular or like companies generally. Right. Um, but when we talk about just the day to day and like, government and maybe just in, in within friendships or relationships personally and this is not always easy um but I think it's it does us a little it does us better to have people maybe not even friendships but people around us who are different from us because then again they add um a new level of value into your life they may see things differently different perspectives or pr anything and um again just add value into your life but again it's easier said than done because oftentimes we are comfortable around the folks who look like us um and if i'm thinking about it i think i have a pretty no i have a diverse group of like core friends and then acquaintances um but that's kind of because of my upbringing and I can be social and the jobs that I've had, you know, so it, it looks different because I lived a different lifestyle. Um, but generally speaking, I think this applies across the board. Um, I think we do better when there is a sense of general community and we talk to our neighbors and we get to know them on a genuinely personal level. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you feel a little bit more bought in to your work environment or even outside your work environment if you knew that okay either my company is taking this seriously they're putting yeah. money behind it or it's like even outside if you knew that like okay 
my friend is not just posting a black square, but she's actually, you know, like she's doing more. You would feel like, wow, they care. You know, it's not just, oh, I'll talk and then banished. So, yeah. It's kind of interesting going, like when companies talk about, um, all this diversity, equity, inclusion stuff, they put up the black squares, but I don't know, don't you feel, not you, but wouldn't a leader of the company feel like internal fail? <laughs> like, what did we actually do? The company we worked for, like, they hired like, what, five people of color and then nothing really changed. I was the only black girl on my team, you know? And we were all new as hell. Like, we were all hired within six months of each other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, so it was just a whole bunch of white people in this company and, so, and Asians, like, that are not in the U.S. No. <laughs> so it's like, and y'all wonder why I was so uncomfortable and uneasy all the time because it's like a whole bunch of blue eyes looking at me like, what this nigga gonna do? Like, <laughs> <laughs> for real, for real, I'm just gonna get to say one day like, what do you think? I don't know. I think I just want to go the fuck home. Like, this is not get out. Or is it? <laughs> like, it's the corporate version of get out. Right? The corporate version of get out. That's what it felt like. It's like, they, you wanna introduce new ideas you do introduce new ideas folks rally behind you and it's like so superficial <laughs> and it and because it doesn't look like what they want it to look like it never really happens yeah they say oh yeah this is great blah 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 but then nothing happens or like they change your language what <laughs> like what <laughs> that's not what i said sis not sis but that's not what i said <laughs> <laughs> I have, I have one specific memory diamond when we were sitting in the conference room and I was sitting in on this because we were gonna talk about the club that you had put forward and proposed mm -hmm. and I was sitting in and we were talking on the phone and she asked you your opinions on like, okay, like, you know, what, what do you, you know, what? Um, and you told her and she said, okay, well, we'll keep that top of mind like it was such a dismissal yeah like, I, yeah I I like that memory has stuck in my head because she was like okay well that's great and I love what you're doing but we'll keep that top of mind and I was like yeah so okay should we go into the questions or yeah let's do it um all right so how how political are you uh, is that something that you you get comfortable talking about politics or racial politics or things like that? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty comfortable talking about it. Um, I'm I have had several not debates, but I will say um, discussions with people that don't hold the same views. Um, and at first, I used to get really mad and annoyed, and I used to like not lash. But I, I just get so angry because I'm like, how are they not seeing my point of view? Um, but I think now I've learned to kind of just, it, it's not worth it. Like me getting yeah. heated and me just being pissed. I'm just like, if, if I can sense that they're not willing to listen, if I listen to you, you can listen to me. Um, yeah. And if they're not willing to do that, then I'm kind of like, whatever. It's also just a very complicated world. Um, politics and even racial politics there's so many conversations to be had about racism and I feel like if you 
I heard someone say that the the talk uh the left has sort of become a religion. And the idea of that worries me because that means it's hard are we not going to be able to have these kind of conversations with different people from different backgrounds and different ideologies um because it's like if you don't believe what I believe then why should I listen to you or you feel maybe admonished sometimes for not believing the exact same thing yeah um one question that i had for you just like off the top of my head like in response to that was do you think that race should be politicized like do you think that human rights like if someone says all lives matter instead of black lives matter do you think that that should be a political ideology or is that something that's like you don't under like like where's the cutoff of oh this is your view this is mine as opposed to there is no like this is your view there is just this is the right thing you know can i just before i forget because i have a horrible memory it's it's good that you both said this because i as you both were having this conversation i was literally thinking cj you initially said the left and i think that's become such an issue because it has become so politicized um in my opinion, I don't think we can move forward as a people, and I'm talking everybody, until we have those fundamental human rights corrected. Until we all are on the same board, on the same platform, and we say, okay, this is actually wrong. Like, those things can be black and white. Like, we don't kill black people because they scare us. We don't kill Hispanic people because they scare us. We don't let white kids off because they look like my son. Right. Until we diverse, until we and until we diversify the police force, like you said, medic, like people are treated equally medically. Black women are, I think it was four times likely to die at childbirth over white women. That's an issue until there's an equal playing field. This shouldn't be politicized. It literally cannot be because we are lack people are lacking basic human rights and yeah. the issue is that it's become so left and right that there is no middle ground i may not agree with a large portion of the people on the right the far right i would if we wanted to have a progressive conversation i would have to listen to them and they would have to listen to me for us to move forward and be again because it's become so politicized we don't even want to hear it which is kind of scary because it's like you don't even know what you don't want to hear, <laughs> you yeah, know? Everything feels so absolutist, you yeah. know? It's like, it's this way or no way. And life isn't like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, we can, we can, yeah, we can say that there's human rights, fundamental human rights that are just like, this is wrong. This is what we should, or this is what we should be striving for. Um, this is the goal. But then how do we get to that goal? Because we're so, we're in this, this world where everything is just, it's, it's very messed up. It is beyond, you know, and it almost feels like maybe we just don't know how to communicate. I think, so I, I hear you, I understand you, but I don't, <laughs> I think for the people are communicating effectively. 
there are people who don't want them to be heard. To me, it that's the bigger issue because I can, I can voice the concern. I can, I can, I can voice it. I can make it easily digestible to you, how you would take it. But if you don't want to even hear it, that becomes the bigger issue because it's, it's always been the same. We, people of color want, I don't even know what they want anymore, but in the lack of, I don't know if they, me, myself, I want to be individual, not individualized, but I want black people to be so self-sufficient. We don't depend on anyone. So that's how I'm looking at it. I want people of color because there are other groups of people who have done just that. But for black people, I want us to be so independent financially. To me, that's the most important financially independent to where we're not dependent on any other type of people for anything. But shit, I lost my my train of thought. <laughs> that happens. I get so passionate. But um, I think I was talking about communication. Yeah. Oh, we've been at people of color have been asking for black people specifically, because that's what I am. That's what I know. Black people have been asking for equal rights for hundreds of years. White people don't want to hear it. They don't care. There are black people who can use their, their, you know, Zora Neale Hurston, her words are like magic. Even she didn't get through to the white people. They don't care, (laughs) which is the issue. They don't, not all of them. I don't want to categorize all, all of them, but the ones who really have the power want to maintain the power, which is the issue. It's just, sometimes I get really frustrated when it's like, when, for me at this point, like I said, I think black people need complete financial independence to truly be free. Something my father taught me from way, way young, your financial independence is your only independence, period. When you are able to provide for yourself financially, no one else can mess with you because if I have the money, what else can you say to me? Nothing, not a damn thing. And black people have never had that. And um, going back to the original question at hand, it being political, I think that's a damn shame that lives have become so political and folks, this is where, this is, it's just really unfortunate that folks, the all live matters group, they just don't see why saying black lives matter, excuse me, means more than all lives matter because in its most basic, basic form, all lives cannot matter until black lives matter. But these people still try to make all lives matter without black lives mattering. And that's where the clash is. So um, moving on, staying strong. (laughs) Uh, was that one of the questions? No, that was a Manali question. (laughs) That was my question, but you answered it. (laughs) Okay. So Manali and CJ, what made you uncomfortable about 2020? (laughs) Oh, wait, are we doing that one or should we just do the political ones? Oh, let's do all of them. I think it'll be kind of fun. What made me uncomfortable (laughs) about 2020? was the fact that everyone woke up all of a sudden. That made me uncomfortable. Mm. Right, w- woke. Um, that made me really uncomfortable, mm-hmm. actually. Um, so yeah, so that was the most thing that made me uncomfortable. 
where people tried to, where they woke up and they tried to use it to make themselves look good instead of genuinely feeling like they wanted to be an ally. Mm -hmm. They felt like, oh, I don't want to be labeled a racist. So I'm going to do X, Y, and Z as opposed to, oh, I want to be labeled an ally. It's you want to be labeled an ally versus you don't want to be labeled a racist. They're two Mm -hmm. totally different things, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So if you want to be labeled an ally, you will take proactive steps to be an ally. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to be labeled a racist, you will take shallow steps to just prove that, hey, I'm not a racist, but I'm not going to put my money towards anything. I'm not going to put my efforts towards anything. I'm just going to tell you I support you and then peace out so no one can ever say that I'm a racist is like what I think like some people's mindset is so I really quick I have I'm not sure how I feel about the term ally when it comes to white people specifically and black people that relationship because and I have to think more about this but every time I hear it I'm like fuck how do I feel like I have to remember to research and to figure out how I feel about this but I'm just not sure one can be a true, true ally when they still daily benefit from the privilege that they have, that they attain just by being them. Like, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, unless you are wielding your white privilege as a like shield of defense to people of color, that community, can you be a true, true ally? Like, what does that even mean? I don't and I don't know if that's white people if that's the term that they gave themselves to make them feel better in the wake of all this 2020 shit because I only heard it from last year I actually right that's where I heard it so I'm like are y'all actually allies are y'all tricking us I don't know like I really don't so I have to really like I really have to hone down and figure out what is an what does allyship mean when it when we're directly talking about black people and white people what does that mean what does that relationship really look like those black boxes made me very very uncomfortable i did not like i i could understand actually no i can't understand it like why would you think that that would do anything just leave your logo up like you know just silly Uh uh-huh um i actually so i didn't do that i was talking with to someone about this and uh, well, I was a part of a uh, of a three way conversation like this one, and I was doing again mostly my just kind of stay quiet thing. But someone had said that they were looking for people to see if they had the box or not, and if they didn't have the box, they were gonna just they were kind of like, you know, they they would feel a certain way. And I didn't say anything, but in my head, I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't have a box and this person didn't notice. (laughs) You know, do I say something? Do I not say something? Because I didn't know how that conversation was going to go. And uh, it wasn't the time or place to have an argument. So I just stayed quiet. But that was that. Yeah, I it was. uh, Yeah, I think I'm sorry. I don't want to offend the person that thought that or said that out loud. But like, how does that make sense? Cause I didn't have a box. Like, did you have a box? What was the point of the box? Just to show unity? Show unity by donating to, donate to me. Cause I need it and I'm poor and I'm black. <laughs> That's how you can show unity. Like. So you, you saying that, I just remembered something um, very recently. And I don't know if I should be saying this or not, but I'm going to say it. Um, 
a company reached out and wanted to feature me and my company in like a spotlight video. Okay. This company is big, like it's pretty big. And I was like, at first I was like, Oh, hell yes. You know, I was like really excited. And then it came out that actually I'm shocked that I didn't do my research on this, but, um, there were like allegations of like racial, like uh, discrimination, like all that stuff in the past. And I was mortified and I was, I emailed the, like the lady who I had been speaking to like ASAP. And I was like, and I told her, I was like, I need you to take me and any mention of this company out of your video. I don't want to be a, so like I went in and so, she asked again on a call. I got on a call with like the two people from this company and they were like trying to butter me up, telling me how great, you know? And it was in that moment that I felt like I was being used as a PR stunt because I'm a person of color and my company is diversity, equity and inclusion based. And in that moment, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> like they don't even care. They want to look good by being like, look at, look at this person who has like, who in a way I'm advocating for them because I'm like going in their brand thing. And I was like, this is so disgusting and so weird that they would like even try to just use me as a cheap PR stunt. They don't even care about what my company does. I bet if I asked them what this platform was, they would be like, I don't know. And so I'm like, you know, and, and it was then that I realized that people will just try to use you to look good and try to use your socials and try to use everything to make themselves better. And I think we really have to stay aware of like who's being genuine and who's not, because I felt so, I, it was a very weird, odd feeling and I never want to feel like that um, mm -hmm. again. So yeah, that was my feel. I just have a question. I wonder, would you have felt differently? And I don't know if this is a, a, an absurd question or not, but do you think you would have felt differently if they were honest with you and said, hey, this is something that we're, as a company, this is something that we're struggling with and we're trying to make an active change, like a progressive change um, within our the community of our company. And we would really love your help in this. Would that, would you have engaged differently with them? If it... So if they had a different motive when coming to me and if they mm -hmm. said that, if they said, hey, we've had this in the past, this is what we're doing to change. This is mm -hmm. what we've done. Um, you know, if you, if you, in my opinion, if you show that you're actively trying to put your money where your mouth is, if you're trying to make change, if you're trying to grow, then that's a different thing. But this company, they have like a whole Instagram account from people who worked at their company. And I was like scrolling through this Instagram account. I was like, they're not doing anything. That was my main issue. And like, you know what, if it was different, if they were actively working on it, then okay. But this company was at first, like in front, they were like, oh, you know, we messed up. But in the back, they were like, we're not gonna compensate you guys. Like they were mm -hmm. like really just, yeah. And, and I think that's what got me, mm -hmm. yeah. I think the, the minimum that we should and could do is educate ourselves. I don't know everything either, but I do make it a habit to read the full article, 
or maybe do 10 minutes worth of research or watch a video, you know? I think if, again, if you can't make any, if, if there's nothing more that you can do personally, just educate yourself a little bit. Um, I think that's fair, you know, um, a little bit of education will go a long way. Or, or if you're not, if you don't want to do that, then engage in a conversation that a racial and political conversation that may be uncomfortable, just like we're doing here and, and, and challenge yourself to, um, voice your opinions and be receptive if they are not, uh, easily accepted, you know well, how how are you willing to engage in these kind of conversations like if someone if you're purposefully engaging with someone who you know doesn't follow or or you guys are not on the same page are you are you still willing to sit there listen and sort of maybe ask them a little bit more questions or challenge them uh in a way that keeps them comfortable with being in that conversation or do you find yourself like just automatically like how could you say that and this is how it really I think is. to a point. I think if if I if I'm going into the conversation, I think to a degree, honestly, I'm not going to have a conversation at length with someone who is just not willing to even hear me a little bit because I will give you, I will I will listen to you up until the point where you start becoming belligerent, ignorant and really hateful. If you are making valid points and you and 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 we can actually talk about it and not even debate, just talk about it. That's all we can do. But if you, if we are just not connecting, then I'm not going to waste my time because you're not going to change your opinion or, and I'm unwilling to listen to the nonsense that you're attempting to feed me. Sometimes I hear, I see a conversation and it's even the people that like, let's say we would normally agree with whatever they're saying. They're the ones that are starting to get angry and loud because they don't like what they're hearing from the other side. So I think it's, it's again, going back to this learning how to communicate effectively is something that we haven't mastered as a species, mm-hmm. you know, as advanced as we are, you know, the only species who can actually talk <laughs> like this to each other. And we haven't really um, mastered the art of communication. But, you know, I, I have to be honest, I don't find myself, I, I don't find myself in situations where I'm around people who don't agree with me. So for me, I mean, there have, it happened, you know, it, ha- it has happened in the past, but more recently, not so much. Um, Could that so, be dangerous? Um, I mean, listen, I watch Fox News to see what they're saying all the time. So I know. <laughs> no, but I mean, I do. Uh, but I say that jokingly, but I mean it. I do listen if I'm not engaging in conversation on the daily with someone. That's OK. Actually, that's a lie. I forgot. There was this guy that actually, CJ, you might you might remember this Um, earlier. No, uh late last year so like october through december i was talking to this young black republican who was super pro trump and the reason why we never connected was because we were so different um politically it was hard for me to even find him like attractive at a certain point because it's like but how can you believe this about your own people and that turned me off and to be fair, there were times where he and I would engage in conversation. And I would like, I would come at him crazy um, because it's like, as a young black man, how are you saying that the police 
essentially the police care about you. There are people out there. And I'm saying this because the, the system of policing was based off of slavery, right? So it's like this system was put in place because after um, people, after black people were given their freedom, they were not given jobs. They were not given, they had no means to work or be productive anymore. So what white folks started to do were to take them, to arrest them and put them on chain chain gangs so they could still work for free. So the fact that you're completely ignoring that system is kind of mind boggling to me because you have experienced stop and frisk. You have been arrested. You have been in jail based off the color of your skin. And the fact that, again, you're choosing to ignore this and saying that, I don't even remember what excuses you're giving me or he was giving me, but it's like, again, the fact that you're choosing to ignore this, how can I sleep with you? Like, oh, I don't even want you looking at me, you know? And that was hard for me because it's like, I remember having these conversations with him where I wanted to be fair. And I remember thinking like, okay, Diamond, take a beat, be fair. This is what he believes, but it's like, how you being who you are how manali if you were starting a relationship with someone that you really liked you guys just really well together and then you find out that their political beliefs are a lot different from yours could that be a deal breaker or do you think that's something you could try to look past maybe something you talk about every once in a while to see where you're at and everything but you know, it's not going to break the relationship. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's definitely a deal breaker. Like I, I, the person that I'm in a relationship with right now, we have very similar beliefs, but let's just say that I met someone like before that and he told me something that was completely different. I mean, if it was like a little bit different, then I will try to like compromise. But if it was just like 180, I'm like, I, I don't know, because I feel like that does come into play even a little bit. And I think it just depends on like what your priority is like of that belief. So if someone who's completely different view, but it's not a big deal to him, he could have a different priority than someone who is like, this is a big deal to me, but I were completely different. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. And maybe that's too broad of a question too, because political beliefs could be anything i was like, thinking just that. Yeah, yeah i was thinking that so i guess it depends on which what part of politics are we yeah, talking like, about if you have different views about like medicare and then yeah mm-hmm. like that's not you know like super big deal <laughs> but, yeah. yeah yeah well um manali thank you for um yeah, coming on the show yes. <laughs> and if you want to do any plugins oh yes please do your plugins if you want um i I'm not going to mention my podcast because I don't do anything on that anymore, but um, my plugin would be if you need any um, help with DEI in your company, feel free to reach out to me. <laughs> I can help. Absolutely. <laughs> and my company's money, name is Vision DNI. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll make sure we'll see it. Cool. <laughs> <laughs>